Amen. Hey, we're going to saddle up our horses about one more time after this week. Uh, next week being Mother's Day, we're going to tie that in a little bit there. And then we start a new series entitled Family Matters Do Matter. So I'm excited about the opportunity to teach a little bit about family and I uh, look forward to that. And we're glad that you're here today. I tell you what, I just every week I'm so grateful for our praise team. They do an incredible job. And thank you so much for their coming and working and volunteering and leading us to the throne of grace. It's pretty, pretty stinking awesome. Hey, listen, life is all about decisions, isn't it? I mean, come on, come on, be honest, be honest. You're trying to decide how long I'm going to preach today. And you're praying that God will help me decide correctly, correctly. And then you're trying to decide what you're going to do for lunch today. Or maybe what you're going to do this afternoon. How long is your nap going to be? You know, are you going to go fishing? Are you going to go hunting? You know, what are you going to do? And life is all about decisions, you know. One of the things Gene and I love to do is God's gifted us. You guys are generous enough to give us some time off every year. And uh, we decide where we're going to go on vacation. We love adventures. We love travel. And so we decide, try to decide where do we want to go this year. And if you've ever been to a travel agency, I don't know if you've done that or not, but they've got all these brochures and posters. And you get look at there and say, oh, I think this looks good. That's the adventure I want to go on. Well, today, we want to talk about the great adventure. In fact, the greatest of all adventures. And that's the adventure that God has planned for us. Very appropriate, uh, particularly for our students today and our graduates. But you know what? It's not all about them. No, sir. It's about all of us. Uh, I wish I had time. Some of y'all have heard my story. But as I taught this and wrote this and studied this and put this all together... I, one day I'll have to share it all again. I just, I'm amazed at the story and the adventure that God's taken me on um, in my life. It's been pretty, pretty amazing. So I want to talk to you today about the great adventure, what God may have planned. And have you thought about that? Now, now whether you're graduating or whether you're in your mid-20s or mid-30s or maybe like me on the verge of almost being old, um, you know, you say, gee, what's the next chapter in our great adventure? And that's what we'll look at. But it all starts out with God. It all starts out with God. Let's look at our intro slide. You know, each of us, now this is important, each of us has to determine who our God is. Now, you'll notice I've got capital G and little g because, again, there are multiple gods. We are not a, we, you know, we are a polytheistic society, as is the whole world, okay? And we have lots of gods in our lives. Uh, the one true God, Jehovah God, but there's also gods that we drive and guard, gods that we live in and gods that we go to work for and uh, different things like that. Some of us, our gods have the faces of presidents on them, like, like Grant and Benjamin are two of our favorites, the 50 and the $100 bill. But we have those things, okay? So we have to determine, we have to decide who our God, and by the way, whoa, whoa, time out, sometimes that God looks a whole lot like church, sometimes that whole God looks a whole lot like religion, and don't confuse God and church and God and religion, because they are not the same. They may be in the same family, but they're not the same. So we have to determine who our God is and what we are going to allow him to do, big M, as you know, how much, how much freedom are we going to give our God in our lives? Now, you may determine, Dwayne, how do I know what my God is? Well, I'm going to help you. There's, there's an indicator gauge. <clears throat> there's a, like a fuel gauge in a car. There, there's, a, there's a God indicator gauge. And here's how you know what your God is. The things that you pour your resources and time and talents and abilities into, that's your God. That's your God. You know, Jesus said something about, you know, you know, your heart goes where your treasure is. You know, heart follows treasure. Well, again, your God indicator is what's important to you. 
What is important to you? I mean, number one, what's at the top of your list, okay? And and again, if you're pouring your resources and time and money and and abilities into something, that's a pretty good indicator of where your God is, okay? So so if you're wanting to know, that's it, that's it. We talk about, oh, I believe in God and this, but where do you put your time, talent, ability, and resources at all, okay? Now, if we choose the capital H over little h, okay, is his plan for us going to be the great adventure, Okay, so let's say we make that decision. We say, oh, no, I, I know what, you know, I really want like, like God. I, w- I, want, I want the kind of God, you know. I want the God, okay. And, and so my question becomes then, is, are we going to allow him to lead us in the great adventure? And that's what we're going to talk about today. Or, or is this whole God thing with the capital H really just a big inconvenience leading to a great disobedience? I mean, I mean, is, is it possible that God to us is really, you know, if you really were honest, if you really were honest, you go, you know, really, God is kind of an inconvenience in my life because I want to do and I can't do, want to go and I can't go, uh, this, schedule, counting, again, it becomes an inconvenience, and then often that leads to this great disobedience. So that's all things we want to talk about today. And hopefully, hopefully, we'll keep our heart and our ears open and see just what God wants to say to us. Now, our scripture today comes from Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse number 4 through 8, I believe it is. And, and in verse number 4, uh, Jeremiah's talking. Now, now, let me say this. I know, I know, and you know that Jeremiah is written by Jeremiah, and God is talking to Jeremiah. So you're saying, wait, 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 wait. So if if this if if it's if it's all about Jeremiah, why why are we talking about it now? Well, what 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 does what God ha- said to Jeremiah have to do with us? A whole lot, a whole lot. Okay. So the principles and truth are the same. So so Jeremiah starts out and says, well, the word of the Lord came to me. Now, I think that's pretty profound, okay? I know a lot of you wives, you say, my husband never talks to me. And then your husbands might say, and yeah, you talk too much, you know? There are a lot of things going on here, okay, dynamics. But, but in Jeremiah's case, the word of the Lord came to him. Now, here's the big teaching point, okay? You know, I love this. God loves to speak to his children, so, so, ma'am, if you feel like your husband's not listening, okay, I'm sure God feels the same way sometimes, okay? And, and guys, if you feel like, well, maybe, you know, they're talking a little bit too much, I just want you to know this. Jehovah God, creator God, the big God, the only true God, okay, loves to talk to his children. Now, that's pretty cool. If you think about the creator God of the universe wants to talk to you, in fact, he loves to talk with you, I'm sorry, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. So God loves to speak to his children. He's got ways that he does it, okay? He, he loves to speak through his word, the Bible. Um, he loves to speak through his spirit, and then he sometimes uses other kids. Now, looking back as I wrote this and realized it, I probably would have put word and um, I would have put his word, his spirit. I'd have put probably um, other children, um, oh, maybe even first or second, okay? Well, let me explain what I mean. The other day, um, Friday... In fact, I had a deal going on, had a relationship deal, you know, and there was some tension there going on, you know, and boy, it was on me. I mean, you know, so, guys, you know how, again, when you make your wife mad, you know it's you, it's not her. Well, this one was on me, okay? And so, I, you know, I'm, I'm getting the, 
I'm getting the nudge from his spirit, and his spirit saying, you know what you need to do. You need to you know, make this right. You need to stop. I didn't want to. Because I really felt like at the bottom of the line, I was somehow justified. Isn't it funny how you can justify anything when you want to? I mean, I'm telling you what, I was just going, but yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but yeah. So this is going on. I'm in my, it's in my little quiet time room, you know, and I'm sitting there and I'm having this debate in my brain with all my emotions going on. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. This is 5.30 in the morning. You know, 5.30 in the morning. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. And the door opens. And, and the Holy Spirit was nudging and pushing. And then walked the other children. Her name is Judy. And she walks in. And I brought it up. I said, you know, I, I, I've got a feeling, you know. And boy, and she just, she didn't lie. I wish she'd lied. But she didn't. She said, yeah, really, Dwayne, it is on you. You know, it really is on you. And you, isn't it funny how wives always will tell you what you don't want to hear? You know, they always will tell you what you don't want to hear. So, so anyway, so the spirit was nudging, and then the other children, her name was Judy, you know, said, well, you need to do this, you need to do this. I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to do it. I knew I should do it, but I didn't want to do it. So God, after she leaves, um, I get devotions, you know, I do the version thing, which, by the way, boy, if you don't know what version is, let me tell you about it. I mean, it's just the best discipleship tool there is, and it is free. It's on your, every smartphone can have it. And so, so she leaves the room, and I, I do the version thing, but, but I'd already done that part, actually. But, and that's probably why the Holy Spirit was working on me. Um, but anyway, so I've got like five emails I get. And so I, I clicked on one of them to open it, and, and, and God shouted at me. I laughed out loud. Not, not out of because it was funny, because it was amazing. Because the devotion was on doing the right thing. And there's a verse over in James chapter 4, verse 17, that says this. Therefore, him who knows to do good and does it not, to him it is a sin. Thanks, God. Appreciate that. You couldn't have been clearer if you'd have tattooed it on my hand, okay? And so it was so cool. It was so cool. Judy already started going downstairs with a basket full of laundry. I called her back. Judy, come back. She said, I've got some laundry in my hand. I said, come back here. And I read it to her, and she just laughed. But it was a laugh of joy because I knew that my God had spoken to me. And it wasn't veiled. It was plain. So you've got a God today. If you're a child of God, you've got a God. Well, and if you're not, by the way, he wants to talk to you. Uh, but you've got a God who loves to speak to his children. And, and like I say, in my case that day, man, he did it with his word. He did it with his spirit. He did it with other children. But listen, to hear all that happen, to hear, you know, we have to learn to be still and be silent. See, here's what I'm learning. God whispers more than he shouts. Now, I'll be honest with you, in this particular case with this word, he shouted at me. I mean, it's so totally and completely obvious, okay? But I'm learning that God likes to whisper more than he does to shout at us. There's a favorite scripture of mine, it's Psalm 46.10, and it says, be still. That word, you've heard me say it before, the word means um, to, to be quiet, to be silent, um, to be to be, well, actually, to stop striving, okay? 
So, so we got all this going on, okay, in, in the world, and, and, and God comes along and says, oh, be still and know. And know. See that word no? It's the kind of no that is um, practical. It's the kind of no that's intimate. It's, it's the kind of no that, that, that you know, okay? So, so be still and know that I am God. Now, here's the cool part. See, the I am God, when he says I am God, he's saying I am God. And he's saying that, listen, by default, there are none, no others. You know, there's the one true God and there's all the other gods that aren't really gods, okay? But he says, wait, you need to be still. You need to be quiet so you can hear me. And you just need to know that I am God. And by default, there are no others. There are no others. It's, it's really just an amazing thing. So our teaching point is this. Silence, silence is the soul's remedy for spiritual fatigue. We don't do well being silent, do we? You know, you've all had that awkward silence. You remember grade school? You asked her, didn't you? Do you like me? Silence. Will you marry me? Silence. Can I have a job? Silence. This isn't those kind of silences. This is that, that peaceful silence. Silence is the soul's ruin for spiritual fatigue. Be still, be quiet, and listen. Be still, be quiet, and listen. Do you remember the story of the prophet Elijah? Now, for those who don't know that story, you know, it's, he's, a, he's a prophet in the Old Testament, okay? He'd won this great victory, and then this, this, this mad woman decided to make his life miserable. He goes on the run. Have you heard the song before? Man on the run. Man on the run. Okay, maybe I haven't heard that song. Okay, so anyway, so, so anyway, so he goes on the run, and he gets there to this cave, okay? And the Bible says, you know, there's this huge windstorm. And then it says, God wasn't in the wind. And then there's like an earthquake. God wasn't in the earthquake. And then there's fire. I mean, you know, that's a really big thing for God. Nope. Wasn't in the fire. And then it says this. And then Elijah heard a gentle whisper. And we've got to be still and quiet so we can hear the gentle whisper. Oswald Chambers, um, young, he died young, wrote, wrote the book, My Most for His Highest, big devotional book even today. Solitude with God, getting alone with God, repairs the damage done by the fret, noise, and clamor of the world. Now, somebody needs to hear this today. You are frazzled. It may be your marriage. It may be your kids. It may be your job. It could be a multitude of things. We're frazzled. And Oswald Chambers right. Listen, when we get along, along with God, he repairs the damage done by the fret, noise, and clamor of the world. I wrote these down right even before I came to church this morning. You know, the answer for busyness is stillness. The answer for noise is silence. And the answer for clamor is solitude. Somebody needs that today. Somebody needs to know that God wants to get along with you, alone with you, and speak, and speak. Well, in Elijah's, excuse me, in Jeremiah's case, he speaks. In verse number five, the first part, you know, I chose you... Before I formed you in the womb, I set you apart before you were born. Now, again, I know this is for Jeremiah, but guess what? It's us. 
It's us. You know, students that are graduating, it's you. You know, we middle-aged, we middle-agers, like I'm middle-aged. Yeah, hello. I can't even see that in the rearview mirror. All right? But, but it's all of us, okay? And I chose you before I formed you. You know, have you ever experienced, you know, re- that rejection thing we talked about? You know, you ask the girl out to the prom, and she says no. And you ask her to marry you, and he says no. Or she says no. And you apply for a job, and sorry, you don't meet our qualifications. It started young with me. Kickball. Yeah, I choose you, you, you. And finally, I was the last one there, and they wanted to make me the ball. And I said, that won't work. (laughs) And so anyway, and so like I was like, you know, the last one chosen. Now, I want you to think about this. If you've ever experienced rejection, read that again. God, creator God, Holy God, the God says, I chose you. I chose you. When you feel rejection, when you feel like you don't matter, God chose you. Isn't that cool? God chose you. I chose you before I even formed you in the womb. I set you apart before you were even born. All of that took place. God chose us. I love Psalm 139, 16. You know, it says, your eyes saw me when I was formless. Before I, was, before I was even made in the womb. Now, check this out. All my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. What? What? Okay, if you're a God person, you know, put your arms around this, okay? You know, the Bible is saying that the number of my days, all my days were written in your book. So that means that God has this set number of days that, that he's assigned for me to live. We, we hear this all the time. You know, we, we said, you know, the man of God who is in the will of God is immortal until his, you know, God's will is done. Uh, we, we talk about often, you know, we'll probably say it this week, Nick Hefner passed away. And, you know, and we, we'll say, you know, something like this. We'll say, you know, Nick went home the other day, but he went home on the foreordained day that God chose. It was an accident. It was God's day. You know, it was his time to go. Well, some people say it that way. And, but here's what I want you to know. You know we can shorten that. Okay? You, know, you, you step out in front of a semi-truck. You smoke six packs of cigarette a day. Some crazy things like that. You can shorten it. Okay? But God has assigned a number of days he wants you to live. Just write down. That's what the book says. Okay? But then it's even cooler than that. All my days were written in your book and planned. So God has, this, God has this plan for our lives. You know, there used to be this gospel track. You know, God has a wonderful plan for your life. It's back in the, back in the time of the Jesus, Jesus revolution. You know, and, and God does have this wonderful plan for your life. He's got this great adventure plan for your life. But here's the deal. The plan is planned, but the outcome is determined by us. The outcome is determined by us. Will we say yes? Will we know? Will we follow? Will you obey? Will we seek God's will? I often wonder. Here's just a little bit of my story. You know, I had 12 years in the Air Force. Now, in case you don't know how that works, when you get 20, you get retire at 50% of your income. I would have been 38 years old. I could retire at 50% of my income when I was 38. I had 12 years in. And God says, I want you to not only be a preacher, I want you to get out. Okay, and people look at that. That was a no-brainer, Dwayne. Tell God to wait eight years. Tell him not quite yet. Okay, and yet that's not what he said. So I got out. 
And I wonder often, what would it have been like? What would it have been like if I'd said no to God and stayed the extra aid and had the money but missed this? Wow. Are you in the same boat? Hey, students, are you in the same boat? Are you trying to figure out what God's plan is for your life and you're trying to decide? Listen, don't miss this. You know, this is, this is so huge. You know, all the days were written and planned before a single one of them was, was done, before it began. That's just amazing, amazing to me. You know, uh, R.C. Sproul says a great thing. He says, most Christians salute the sovereignty of God. Now, what that word salute means, it means to give a cursory glance. You know, he goes, I believe in the sovereignty of God, glance. But then he goes on and says, but believe in the sovereignty of man. You want to know why people marry the wrong people? Because they believe in the sovereignty of man. You know why we get on our career path and students, you're fixing to graduate, okay, you're, you know, maybe you already have, and you're trying to decide what am I going to do for the rest of my life. Some of you have already chosen careers, okay, or, or uh, master, main. what do you call that thing when you get in college, it's the thing you're after? Well, yeah, no, not a degree, you choose a field, you know. Uh, yeah, major, major, ding, 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 ding. Yeah, major. Yeah, yeah, you, think, you know, and, and we choose that and we get halfway down the road and we go, this isn't what I wanted to do. And the problem is, we say we believe in the sovereignty of God and we say we believe in God, but we believe in the sovereignty of man. If I don't, it won't. If I don't make it happen, it won't happen. You know, mom and dad say I should do this because I can make a lot of money. Money. See, so, so we've got to determine, do we really believe in the sovereignty of God or do we believe in the sovereignty of man? And I'm going to tell you, this is what he says. R.C. Sproul says, you know, if God is not sovereign, then God is not God. And then we're in deep weeds. If all this thing is not true, we are in deep weeds. You know, Paul said, you know, hey, 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 you know, if Jesus Christ didn't rise from the dead, we're of all men most miserable. And if God's not sovereign... If he's really not big enough to be in control and in charge of our lives in the world, then we are in deep weeds. Well, Jeremiah goes on in the last part of verse 5 and says, I appointed you, I appointed you a prophet to the nations. And so, so here we have this, this young man, okay, this young man, and, and God speaks and says, listen, you know, where the Lord came to me, and listen, I, I, I've appointed you to be a prophet. That's true for him. Can I ask you a question? Have you ever thought what God appointed you to be? It doesn't, you know, it doesn't really matter if you're old or young, but have you really asked that question? God, what have you appointed me to be? What is it that you want me to be? That's the great adventure. See, our teaching point says this. You know, God has a great adventure plan for each of us, okay? But to experience it, to live it out, is to surrender, number one, to surrender and believe and trust that he can bring to pass what he has promised. So what has God got planned for you? What's the great adventure? Have you thought about it? Have you asked about it? Have you prayed about what God wants to do in your life? And I pray that you have. You know, we got to make sure, you know, because, you know, Jeremiah struggled with this. Well, let's, let's hit 29.11 first. You know, for I have, he said, I know we touched this last week, by the way. I'm not getting to see now. You know, for I know the plans I have for you. God is saying to each one of us, hey, listen, I know the plans that I've got for you. I know this was written in Israel, but the principles are the same. You know, 
declares Lord. Plans to prosper you. Don't think ching, ching, ching. Think a purposeful life. Man, I'm talking about the kind of life when you get to the end and you take your last breath, you beat your last heartbeat, you know, and they stretch you out. Man, you've made a difference in this world. What can be more valuable than that? You know, you know you don't take your money with you. You know that. No. Well, you can, but it's a whole different, well, that's another sermon. But, but anyway, the bottom line is, you know, we want to end this life knowing we made a difference. Plans to prosper you. I'm not in the, listen, God's not in the harm business. God's not in the harm business. He's not in the hurt business. You know, plans to give you hope and a future. Wow. IBM doesn't promise that. Apple doesn't promise that. Who gives, who's the hope God? God is. Who's the, who's the God who gives us a future? Well, well of course, God is. So, so, so this is so big. Well, it gets down to Jeremiah 1.6. But I, I protested, and this is Jeremiah speaking, I protested, oh no, Lord God. Do you see anything wrong with that? Oh no, Lord God. See, there are certain words that don't mix. You know, like jumbo shrimp. Boy, these are not going over well. Oh, no, Lord God. See the word no there and the word Lord? Those don't usually go together well when you're talking about God. See, see he's saying, no, God. You know, in Psalm 14, 1, it's one of my favorite scriptures. The, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. And the cool part is, and I checked it last, I'm sorry, I checked it this morning to make sure I knew what I was talking about. If you look in the, in the original Hebrew language, which y'all know I'm not a real good language person, but if you look in the Hebrew, the words there is are not there. It just simply says, the fool is said in his heart, no God, no God. Yeah, yeah, I was talking about the fool. It's a foolish thing to say there isn't a God, but he's also saying more. He's saying it's a crazy thing. It's, it's a foolish thing for us to tell God no. And what does Jeremiah do? He says, no, (laughs) no. But he goes, listen, I can hear this. He goes, I mean, no, but there's a reason for the no. You ever done that before? You tell God no, he goes, now let me tell you why before you get all mad at me, okay? No, 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 Lord God, look, I don't know how to speak since I'm only a youth. I don't know how to speak. Does that ring a bell to anybody? Moses. You know, hey, I want you to go lead 1.5 million people out of Egypt and take them all the way to the promised land. And Moses goes, you've got to be kidding me. I can't even talk. I can't even talk. And, and Jeremiah says the same thing. He says, look, I don't know how to speak since I am only a youth. Now, now there's this, this last phrase here, since I am only a youth, is, is pregnant with meaning. What would you say to God when God gives you the great adventure, okay, and you say, God, I don't think so, because I am only a blank. I'm only a young person. I, I'm only a senior adult. I'm only uh, a single parent. I'm only a, oh, I go underground for a living. I'm only a minor. I only work as a bank teller. Or could you be like Moody, 
who changed the world, changed Chicago with a fifth grade education. I can't do that, God, because I've only got a fifth grade education. What would be your, I don't know how, I don't know how since I am only. What's your only? What has caused you to say no to God? And if you're graduating today and you're facing the future, hey, perhaps you're in high school and you're, you know, people are going, like, what are you going to do with your life, you know? <laughs> what are you going to do? And, well, I don't know, but I can't do this or I can't do that because I'm only. Let me tell you something. In the eyes of God, you're never just an only. Now, the world will tell you. Your mom and dad will tell you. You know, when I was growing up, you know, I went in the Air Force out of high school. I graduated on Friday, went to the Air Force on Monday. You know why? Nobody in my family went to college. It was never discussed. You walk into the guidance counselor and they go, not you, out. Only. Only. God never sees you as just an only. He sees the potential of who you can be with him. I am only of you. Now, here's the big deal. Be careful of excuses. Make sure your I can't isn't code for I won't. A lot of times people say, I can't do that, God. It's because I won't do that. Okay? Or, or I don't know how really isn't I just don't have time. I remember somebody was very honest with us one time. We were on, you know, I serve on the nominating committee by default, been doing it forever. And, um, yeah, and so we asked this couple. They were so qualified. They were so qualified. And we really would have been great teachers. And so we went and asked them, said, hey, would you teach this class? And they kind of chuckled, actually. And they said, no. I said, I'd have to be at church every weekend if I did that. Make sure, make sure your I don't know how isn't really I don't have time. Um, if, I, if I were to surrender to God, I wouldn't make as much. I wouldn't be able to do as much, you know, whatever it might be. Okay, be careful that that's not your answer, okay? Now, there's a guy, there's a guy named Wiggles, Wigglesworth. Isn't that a great name? He was Pentecostal, you know. Anyway, Wigglesworth. There is nothing impossible with God. Somebody say amen. amen. There's nothing impossible with God. All the impossibility. So you're sitting there and going, yeah, but I can't because I'm only. All the impossibility is with us when we measure God by the limitations of our unbelief. Let me tell you, I can tell exactly how big your God is. I can tell you exactly. You know how big it is? Just about as big as your faith. Just about as big. You know, a balloon, a balloon is there and it's a little tiny shriveled up thing, you know. And, and, and you blow it up, you know, and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And that balloon represents us and God. When we blow our faith in, into that balloon and, and our faith gets bigger and bigger and bigger, guess what happens to our God? It gets bigger in our lives. And then we start believing nothing is impossible. But when we leave it shriveled up and we don't put faith into it, then we limit God. And we limit him by our unbelief. Well, in Jeremiah 1.7, he goes a little bit further. So, then the Lord said again, the Lord wasn't done talking. Then the Lord said to him, do not say, I am only a youth. Don't say it. Don't say it. You know, there's a story in, in, the, in Acts chapter, well, I'm going to give you a chapter because I'm away from my notes. But, but there's a story in Acts where, where Peter, okay, God told Peter to eat unclean food. 
And he was a good Jewish boy, and he didn't eat pig. Okay? And God comes along and says, eat pig! And Peter says, can't eat pig. Can you imagine saying no to bacon? What's up with that? I'm so glad Baptists don't have a problem with bacon. I would have to become something else. Something else. But anyway, and so, yeah, so Peter says, no, I will not eat this unclean stuff. And you know what God said? Hey, don't call unclean what I'm calling clean. Don't say you're not only when I tell you you are more than. You're more than. Uh, don't, don't say Then The Lord said, do not say I am only a youth. Do not say I, I can't because I'm only, okay? For, listen to this. For you will go to everyone I send you and to speak wherever I tell you. With God, within ourselves, there's all kind of limitations, Within God, there are no limitations. There are no limitations. Um, Casting Crown sings a song that says this. It's called Desert Road. I don't know where this is going, but I know who holds my hand. It's not a path I would have chosen, but I will follow you to the end. For you will go to everyone I send and speak whatever I tell you to speak. Michael Youssef, I mean, it's a great quote. When God calls us to a task, he will equip us and enable us to complete that task. Now, what's scary is this. When you don't try to seek God's will for your life and you go it on your own, that's what's dangerous. If you can find out what God wants you to do, seek his will and discover what he wants you to do, he's going to equip you and enable you. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. That is so good. That is just so good. All right, 1 Timothy 4.12 sums it all up. And this is especially for our, our, our students and graduates. Don't let anyone think less of you. Can I have an amen? amen. Yeah. This is that label thing. Don't anyone think less of you because you are young. For an example, be an example to all believers. And what you say, and the way you live, and in your life, and your faith, and your purity. What, what he's saying is, hey, you may be young, but you can be a leader. You may be young, but you can be an influencer. You guys on the front row right here, you are influencers. You don't have to wait till you're 35 years old to influence the world or the church. God's ready and willing to use you right now. Right now. Jeremiah 1.8. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid of anyone, for I will be with you to rescue you. And this is the Lord's declaration. Let me close. And Nancy, you don't have this one. Let me close with this. This is uh, Brent's favorite scripture. It's Joshua 1.9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Today, today, are you willing, one, to determine that Jehovah God's going to be your God? Two, are you willing to give him your life today, to surrender to him, to what he wants for you today? Are you willing to say, God, I'm willing to trust you for the great adventure? And I promise you this, if we can determine what it is, and if we will surrender to that, Get ready for the best ride of your life. God is good, God is faithful, and God can be trusted. He wants to use you in his kingdom work today. Would you bow your heads, please? So what about it? What about it?
What about it? Are you willing today to go where he wants you to go, to do what he wants you to do? Are you willing to surrender? I have plans, he says, plans for you to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope and a future. Our altar is going to be open. Brother Brent's going to be standing down front um, this morning. The, um, the altar is open for prayer. And if perhaps, you're, perhaps you're one of our younger students or you're one of our graduates. You say, you know what? I've really not put this on the altar before. And symbolically, I want to come and put it on the altar and say, God, what do you want me to do? Who do you want me to marry? Who do you want me to marry? What do you want me to go and do? I mean, have you ever considered that God might want you to be a missionary on his field somewhere? Have you ever thought about that? Amen, brother. Have you ever thought before that God might be calling you to be the next D.L. Moody or Billy Graham? Or, or regardless of that that, that, that one day you may be entrusted with the lives of children as a mom or a dad, and you want to be the mom or dad that God wants you to be? Maybe you're that right now and you want to surrender that. All that's at the altar today. All that's at the altar today. Father, thank you for the privilege of sharing. Lord, please let this soak into our hearts. I know the world teaches that, well, first off, a chunk of the world now, at least in America, don't even believe you anymore. They don't believe the word. But God, the truth is, you are, and it is. Would you speak to hearts today? Call people. Call people to yourself, just like you did Jeremiah. And help us to be willing to say, yes, Lord, yes. So we give ourselves to you. And Jesus, I pray it in your precious name. Amen.